Welcome to Candid Catholic Convos, a program brought to you by the Catholic Diocese of Harrisburg. Our mission is to humanize the church and help you to grow in your faith, love, and understanding. I'm your host, Rachel Trochet, a cradle Catholic who's only human and struggled with faith on more than one occasion. Each week, you'll hear engaging, down-to-earth interviews and actionable strategies you can implement into your life with ease to help you grow closer to God. If you're ready to open your heart and step fully into the person God created you to be, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hey there, thanks for joining me on another episode of Candid Catholic Convos. I'm a self-proclaimed hopeless romantic. Romantic comedies, though, have never really been my thing, unless you were talking about movies like The Princess Bride or Stardust, where finding your soulmate was downright magical. Growing up, I remember daydreaming about finding my future husband. Maybe I would pass him on the street and our eyes would lock. Or maybe I'd drop my pencil one day and a literal choir of angels would sing when our hands met as we both reached to pick it up at the same time. Maybe he'd be sitting next to me on the bus, or maybe he was that guy I'd met over that one summer vacation. It was a longing for a partner that I knew was out there, somewhere, I just didn't know where. When I did meet my husband, there was no overture or a grand display of fireworks or birds chirping in harmony. There was a sense of peace. That's honestly the best way I can describe it. A sense of peace, like... No matter what happened, I knew that if he was with me, it would work out. That ache of my longing had finally been fulfilled. I say this as though it was a long time ago. In reality, it wasn't that long. But a lot has changed since I was dating. See, we didn't have dating apps and social media was just becoming a thing. The pressure was the same, though. That feeling like you were running out of time. That if you didn't meet someone in high school or college, that your last best chance was to get a job and marry someone that you worked with because your pool of partners was slowly shrinking. And now with the advent of dating apps and hookup culture and everyone delaying marriage, it feels like those of us who are married just caught the last chopper out of Vietnam. And it shouldn't be like that. Dating has become a job in and of itself. And with the current state of our culture, what hope is there for single Catholics still looking for their happily ever after? Today I'm chatting with Julianne Bartlett, a Catholic writer and lawyer who's experienced prolonged singleness, to share with us how she maintained hope, survived the holidays with nosy family members, and eventually found her Prince Charming. Julie, thank you so much for joining me today on Candid Catholic Convos. I'm really excited to have you here and to talk about singleness. And I feel like I, f- I feel bad because this is a topic that we haven't talked about yet. in the two years that Candid Catholic Convos has been around. So I'm really excited to kind of dive into this with you. Hi, Rachel. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited and honored to be here on the podcast. Would you mind for our listeners who may not be familiar with some of your work? Would you mind telling me a little bit about yourself? Sure. Well, I married my husband, Seth, at the age of 42. 
And I struggled to get to the altar to meet what I call a suitable spouse. I had always wanted to get married. And I just assumed that it would naturally happen. Um, I went to college and then I went to law school. And I just thought, you know, after graduating law school and getting situated with a job that I would next meet, do the next logical thing, which would meet somebody and get married. Uh, and it didn't happen. And as I, um, you know, was reaching my late twenties and, um, seeing all of my friends that I went to school with get married, I started to get, you know, a little concerned that it wasn't, um, going to happen and like what was wrong with me. And so, and I'm going back to the late nineties, you know, with this. So, um, back then, you know, people were still really getting married, you know, and I, I would ask people around me for advice and, People would say to me, like, you know, um, both mostly people in the church uh, that, you know, maybe you just have to accept that God doesn't have anybody for you or that he called you to be single. And not only did that really hurt me and just completely devastate me, but I I could not accept it because I was never felt called to be single. I never considered going um, into any form of religious life, never felt that calling whatsoever. And I just could not, you know, accept that. And, you know, I completely just was like, I have to figure out this whole thing about singleness and uh, how to, you know, what is God's opinion on it? And, you know, does he just call some people to be single, you know, apart from a religious vocation um, or, you know, a consecrated virginity? And, um, you know, just to be single and that's it, like in the world for no reason, you know, (laughs) because I felt conflicted that like I couldn't really pray for a spouse if that wasn't his will for me. And so I I really dove into the the magisterium and the the teaching. And um, I, you know, finally met a my husband at the age of 42 and um, we met. Um, and it's all, it's really a miracle, but we met and, um, he was a, um, a non-denominational Christian at the time who was divorced. And I was very hesitant to date him because I didn't want to date anybody who did not have an annulment because I take the marriage laws of the Catholic church very seriously. And, um, so we, we met, dated, got his annulment, got engaged and got married all within 11 months in the Catholic church. (laughs) Wow. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And we had talked earlier that you and I have been married for roughly the same amount of time. So that's that's just exciting. I love that, you know, whenever we have a plan and God's like, Mm-mm, I have a better one. Yes. You just wait. So it sounds like a lot of personal experience kind of led you to this ministry. And it seems like they're I always forget the phrase about necessity and invention. Uh, it's the mother of invention. There it is. Because it doesn't seem like there are a whole lot of resources for single people in the church. No, no, there really isn't. Um, now, definitely when I was single, there there really wasn't. I've seen some more develop. But what I have come to see is that what is out there is either written by single people themselves. And I get it. They're they're completely, you know, you know, desperate wanting, you know, resources, um, or the things that are in place are by married people who haven't struggled mm. with what I call prolonged singleness. And, um, 
And so I felt like there there really was a need for uh, a, a resource to be out there that went through um, what is the, the journey to marriage, to get from prolonged singleness to marriage. And that, that somebody who, you know, struggled with all the heartache of being single, you know, into their 40s and being told, you know, that, you know, maybe God has nobody for you or, you know, that that you've been called to be single, facing the heartache of, you know, you know, seeing your dreams, you know, you know, not come to fruition. You see all your friends get married and start families, buy homes together. And um, because that's really what's happening to an older single, they're seeing the the death of their their dreams for a future with somebody. And um, it's very painful. And and I wanted to put together something that would be a resource for for people that I had hoped would be there for me and and um, build on the um mentoring and help that I had gotten from some older women that I had met that were approximately 10 years older than me that had mentored me out of my prolonged singleness. I love that. It's, it's something that I think needs to be talked about more. It's, it's not necessarily swept under the rug, but it's, I think it's casually overlooked. And I love that, that you've taken the initiative to say, look, I've, I've been there. I know what you're going through. Let's walk through this together. I think that's awesome. So I specifically picked this week, the week of Thanksgiving for our episode, because I can imagine the holidays are are very hard for single people, especially when you're surrounded by not only families, but, you know, your own family, your extended family who may be very well intentioned, but a bit too forward with some of their questions like, you know, why haven't you found someone yet? Or when's it going to be your turn? Or, oh, did you hear so-and-so is getting married? Or, you know, you're just being picky. You know, all, all of that, that just is, it might be well-intentioned. I'm sure some of them are, are not. But how does someone work through this with their family or, or anyone really who, who asks these type of pointed questions that might not really be any of their business? I think that's a great question, Rachel. And I and I think there's a, a couple aspects to look at and how singles can can cope this time of year. One, it, it is painful because, you know, it's it's a family time, you know, the holidays and, and there's several holidays. You have Thanksgiving, you have the holy days, you have Christmas, you have New Year's and um, and and people are together. And, and again, you're longing not having your own family. So I think singles have to be, you know, honest with themselves and they have to admit that okay, this is painful. Like I don't have my own family and 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 be honest with God about that. And then um, you know, there's I think they can be as little or as much transparent with the people around them when they ask those types of questions, you know, they can either say, yeah, I I am looking, you know, or be like, hey, this is really painful. I I think they can also use it as an opportunity to say to people, um, you know, do you know anyone? You know, can you do you know any single people? Because I met my husband on a blind date. So um, and also like my my mother would also you know, set me up on blind dates with people that she worked with. So I always asked people when I was single to do that. So if people are asking, I would not be hesitant to, you know, use it as opportunities to, to, you know, be like, if you know anybody, please, you know, you know, introduce me. But 
I think people can set boundaries with how much of their own pain that they want to share with. The other thing is to remember, and this was a huge turning point for me in my prolonged singleness. It was the um, holidays. I, I met my husband in March of 2000, or I'm sorry, April of 2010. It was that advent beforehand. And an advent, we know, is a time of hope. It's a time of waiting. And I was really angry with God. And I think it's important to be to be honest about your anger with God over this. Like God's big enough to handle it. And and he knows that you're angry. So you're not hiding anything from God. And um, I was, you know, you know, I remember I was just, you know, being like, you know, I'm, you know, 41. I've, you know, missed out on all these things. It's another holiday that I'm, you know, not going to have anybody. And, um, you know, no, no home. I was living in an apartment. And I, you know, didn't just didn't want to go through it again. And I was just thinking of everything that I've missed out on in life. And that's when I had this huge, like, word from God in the scriptures where he, I'd never seen the scripture before. And he had led me to the scripture in my reading in the book of Job. And he said that it says in there that God blessed the later part of Job's life more than he blessed the earlier part. I was like, I didn't even know that somebody's later part of their life could be (laughs) more blessed than the earlier part. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I always thought everybody's earlier part was blessed, you know, because that's when you start to, you know, you experience things, you get your first job, you get married, you have children, you do all these things. And I, I missed all of that. Like I was mourning the loss of those dreams. And that really is a loss. Like people who have prolonged singleness and they marry later. And for like me, like not being able to, my husband and I weren't able to have children. Um, you know, that is a real loss and that has to be looked at and, and grieved and, and honored. But God still can bless the later part of your life more than the earlier part. And um, and I took that as a promise from God that, you know, he was going to bless the later part of my life more. And and I did meet my husband that, you know, April. And so I think, you know, singles can embrace Advent as, you know, being honest about their pain, but also seek God, you know, with that and, and hold on to that scripture. That's so true that it's it's such a it's such a time of hope. And like, I love that God puts these little like winks in things like anytime that I was was struggling with whatever, whether it was depression or anxiety or infertility or whatever, I noticed that when I would go to mass that week, all of a sudden, like the gospel, like or something in the homily, it was like almost put there for me. So I love that you're able to find that hope in the scripture, especially during the season of hope, it just, it just makes, makes so much sense. And I love that you were able to rephrase the questions and turn it into, well, how can you, how can you find help? How can you find the hope in, in that, in that, you know, you knew some of these people weren't necessarily trying to, you know, poke and dig. They were, they were genuinely wanting to help and they didn't know how and you were like well here's how you can help i thought i think that's i think that's brilliant um i want to go back to that question of picky though because i feel like i feel like that one stings a little bit um is there a difference between being picky and having unfair expectations when it comes to dating um how can we tell the difference and essentially manage realistic expectations of of what you're looking for when you're dating sure i i do i got 
that's said to me as well. So I think that's a common thing that um, people say. And I think people are well-meaning. I, I think people, I think you and I had said this earlier before when we were talking that people just don't know what to do with like singles. Like it's because what I call it, I call prolonged singleness a modern phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Like this is the first time in like history that we're dealing with like huge populations of people not marrying or marrying later. And if you look at the Bureau of Statistics with the government, you can see the, the population going up in age, less marriage, you know, when they're first marrying and marriages are are happening less. So it really, it truly is a modern phenomenon. There's a lot of variables that have led into this and everything. So I think people are at a loss as to like, well, how can I help you? So they just, you know, are well-meaning, but maybe don't think how it can hurt them. Um, You know, people would say to me, well, marriage is really hard. And I'm, like, like, I wouldn't be able to handle it, you know? So, like, I'm like, I went to law school. Like, I <laughs> took the bar exam. That was really hard. Like, right. I, can, I can do marriage. So, um, um, so I think with the pickiness issue, I, I think for the most part, I don't think that is what keeps people from getting married. I think in, in rare, and this is just my personal opinion, I think in rare instances, people who have commitment issues might be like, well, I don't like their hair color, or I don't like, you know, the shape of their nose or something, <laughs> you know, because they're looking for a reason to get out of it. I think that um, the important thing to remember is that everybody's marrying a sinner. You know, like my husband got a sinner. I got a sinner. <laughs> and and I think that um, that's the whole purpose of marriage. I mean, th- yes, the bigger purpose is to reflect the Trinity and reflect God's, you know, image to the world around us. But we need marriage. Like marriage is a, is a need. Like, like I, I need it that sacrament in my life, I needed to have someone in my life that was going to make me see myself for who I really was, um, and want to work on my issues. And, um, and in addition to not being alone, um, because God said it wasn't good for man to be alone. And, and that was man, like human being, (laughs) not male man. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and, and so I think, we people have to remember they're not going to get somebody who's perfect and and to learn to use discernment between red flags and and okay they're they're just this is you know they're a sinner like they're not perfect absolutely and building off of of off of red flags and we talked a little bit earlier about that that feeling feeling desperate and creating like a scarcity mindset almost around like I have to get married or or like if I don't do it now it's never going to happen and almost forcing a relationship so how do we avoid that scarcity mindset um but not ignore things like red flags yeah and that and that applies to so many trials that we face not just like a prolonged singleness mindset as well I think it's like remembering um that that God, you know, he has so many resources that we don't have. And, and that, you know, especially today, like for singles, that it seems almost like there's no good spouse to be found. And that, um, and that, you know, 
it's like I might as well take this little crumb that's here, you know, because there's nobody else to be found. Right. Or what if I don't find anybody else? Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like I'm it's better than being alone. Mm-hmm. And um and it's it's ne- that's never good. Like God I always tell people, like when I talk to them, that to always look at Hebrews chapters 11 and 12, I call them the the faith chapters, that God is, and I think almost in every trial that we have, God's after our faith. Um, You know, it says in the scriptures that without faith, it is impossible to please God and that um, all who come to him have to believe that he exists and he rewards those who faithfully seek him. And so I think he always wants us to believe that he is good and that he, you know that that we really can't do anything on our own that you know it says somewhere i think in the gospels um that you know um apart from me you can do nothing mm. so i think like remembering that you know when we come to the end of our own like you know, resources that God's resources just began, like where we see an ending, he sees a beginning. And, um, and, and we all fall into that. Like, you know, I, I definitely did. Like when I was single, I remember, you know, staying in, you know, relationships longer than I should be like, okay, this isn't going to go to marriage, you know, um, either because this person's not going to take it to marriage, or I'm not going to marry this person. But why am I staying in it then? But I was afraid to leave for the reasons you said, because I didn't believe that God was going to bring me somebody. And and that's trusting God's care, not trusting God's character, that he loved me enough or that he was good enough. And and it was, you know, that's that scarcity mindset. It's a faith issue. And it's the more we try to know the truth about what God teaches about himself, about marriage itself. Um, and the calling to marriage, I think we can get out of that scarcity mindset. Absolutely. And I forget what verse it is, but just that feeling that that God will always provide. And I think I I personally forget that a lot of times. I'm like, I have to, I have to do this. I have to, or even in the secular world, especially in in the social media space, I see a lot of people like wanting to manifest things or having an abundance mindset. And, and you have to go back to it's but it's not all you like because like you said, without God, we can do nothing. So just reliant, like regardless of what it is, a prolonged singleness, infertility or just, you know, financial issues. It's we need to trust that God has our best interest at heart and and have faith that that he has plans for our lives. I want to go back to something you said about ending the relationship because you either you know or you don't think that the the other person that it's going to end in marriage. I remember when I started dating, I think it was like 15 or 16, my mom had bought me a book called I Kissed Dating Goodbye. And I remember the gist of this book was like you said if you don't see yourself with this person in 10, 20, 30 years down the road happily married, then you need to end it now. Essentially, it was I had a date with marriage in mind. And to be honest, I stopped reading it. Because while I agree that if you can't see yourself married to this person, it's it's best to end it for both of you. I also felt like it put a lot of pressure on all of my relationships. So touching back on realistic expectations, how should Catholics date with the vocation of marriage in mind without adding any unnecessary pressure? Because I'm sure a lot of 
people experiencing prolonged singleness are already feeling a whole heck of a lot of pressure. Exactly, exactly. And I just want to share that I know that book. (laughs) (laughs) And I highly encourage anybody who's listening not to read it. (laughs) Okay, it wasn't just me then. (laughs) (laughs) And and I'll share too that um, um, I was raised Catholic and that I had left the Catholic Church uh, when I was in my late teens, early 20s. And um, spent 10 years in the evangelical world. And so when I was in the evangelical world, that book came out. And so it had a very devastating effect on the um, people that people just stopped dating mm-hmm. altogether because they were like, we shouldn't date. And um, and that, you know, God will just bring somebody into your life and you will know that that's the person that, you know, is you're going to marry. So you cannot date. You just have to know right away that that's the person that, you know, is you're supposed to marry. And um, I, I think it's very bad theology. And I think the author is he has actually done a documentary that people can see and has recanted a lot of that book. Mm. Uh, and so I want to uh, share that one, God works through established practices. And if we look, you know, and he does miracles through our established practices, too. We have dating now. Like, you know, years ago, there were courting and God worked through courting. And if we look in the uh, Old Testament, he, you know, there was, you know, the book of uh, Ruth. He worked through that. That was a Leverite marriage, I believe. Um, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, he worked to bring Ruth and Boaz together. And so now we have dating. And I think there's it's important to distinguish for singles that there's a difference between dating using biblical principles. And I have a three part series on how to use biblical principles on my website, on my on my blog. And and then versus maybe how the world defines dating, like maybe you're just I'm dating this person. It's my boyfriend. We have no intention of ever getting married. We could be cohabitating or maybe not cohabitating, but we're definitely having premarital sex. And, you know, that's that's our version of dating. But you can definitely have godly dating and, you know, dating with someone. I think for the most part, um, it's impossible to just meet somebody, uh, you know, and know within that first date if you're going to marry that person. So you have to get to know them. But if you're dating, you know, someone, you know, for maybe three months and you see things about them that you're like, I know I'm never going to marry this person, then it's time to end the relationship because, like as you're older, which I start to tell women, because I would tell myself this, time is not on my side anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Because like when you're young, you can like waste time. Not that I think it's right to, to do that because you could be leading another person on. And that's not loving. That's not charitable. Um, because that person really could have feelings for you. And, and that's, you know, hurtful to the other person. Um, we should do everything in love. But if you want to get married, and that is the vocation um, for people, unless they're called to forsake it, to follow Christ, then, then you're wasting your time and you're not getting into your vocation. We've unfortunately run out of time. But if you'd like to hear the rest of this episode, you can listen to us anytime on Spotify under Candid Catholic Convos, or you can download this episode from our website at hbgdiocese.org. Thank you so much for listening. Our goal at the Diocese of Harrisburg is to walk with you on your faith journey. So if this episode resonated with you in any way, 
the easiest way to show your appreciation is by sharing this program with your network or by leaving a review on your listening platform. You can also support us financially by making a donation online at hbgdiocese.org slash D-A-C and clicking the Make a Donation button. Thanks again, and we'll see you at church on Sunday.